Hey, you're listening to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. This is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors at Mountain Park, and we are in week two of our series, this new series we're doing called Foundations. The reason we've called this Foundations is because we believe legitimately that these are foundational principles and understandings needed in order to uh, follow Jesus in the way of Jesus, in the kingdom of Jesus. We believe that these are fundamental areas of understanding necessary in order to walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God today. And so last week in week one, we talked about and asked the question, like, what is the kingdom? Jesus talks about it more than any other thing. So what is it? And where does he wanna start with that kingdom? He wants to start in us. And he wants to confront the three other kingdoms, I guess, if you will. There's really only one other kingdom and it's the kingdom of Satan. It's the kingdom of darkness. But there's three things that are competing for and contrasting for the rule and reign of the kingdom of God in us. And that is our flesh, that is the world's system, the, the ideologies and zeitgeist of the world, and that is the kingdom of darkness itself. That's Paul's teaching from Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. And so um, we talk about uh, last week the reality of those things that are actually opposing the uh, purposes and the heart of God, the will of God for our life. And they begin internally, not always externally. Pastor Brenda is preaching today and she is continuing to look uh, at the areas of our heart and soul, our internal life, as she turns our focus to the fruit of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit in our character as an essential foundation. Uh, we believe this uh, so strongly that um, the Holy Spirit wants to build a strong foundation in your character, bring it into alignment with Him so that you can sustain greater measures of His authority, His influence, and His gifting through you. And so um, this is an amazing message. I'm gonna send you off to Pastor Brenda, week two of this Foundations series. We are jumping into the, I think it's just the second week of this series we're calling Foundations. And we are talking about the Holy Spirit as we have promised for quite some time. And we will get into talking about the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, which I know you're all excited to hear about. And I get questions all the time from people about the gifts of the Spirit because this is something that many of us come from very different backgrounds and we recognize that. Some of you here are from a more traditional background and we've all had different teaching on the gifts and so we're excited to get into that. But before we do, we're laying a little bit of groundwork and foundation. And I actually have to say before I start that the message that I have for us today is one that I feel like I've brought several times from different angles and with maybe just a little bit of a different perspective. I feel like I've preached this word so many times. And I was like, God, you need to make it fresh again because I feel like I've said these things over and over and over. I feel like maybe you think all I do is repeat myself. 
And I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be something that's fresh for you to take home today, something fresh for us to grasp. So I hope um, that we're able to do that today. But we are talking about the kingdom of God and Pastor Andrew opened us up um, last week in talking about what the kingdom of God actually is and how it is established in our world. So just to recap, or in case you weren't here, he gave us this definition of the kingdom of God, or as it's often referred to, the kingdom of heaven. And we'll talk about both of those today because the same thing, kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven. He said the kingdom of God is the range of God's effective will. Or if you want to say it this way, it's where what God wants done gets done. It's where the will of God is established in someone's life, in a circumstance, in, a, in whatever is happening, in your relationships. It's wherever the will of God is done, his kingdom is established and advanced. It's wherever his will is effective. And so we see the kingdom come through Jesus. He taught us a lot about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. In a lot of his teachings, he would say the kingdom of God is like a pearl. The kingdom of God is like a treasure. The kingdom of God is like a seed. The kingdom of God is like a farmer. This is how he told his parables in his stories. He would say the kingdom of God is like or the kingdom of heaven is like. And he would tell a story that would reveal the character and the nature of God. He would tell a story that would give us a glimpse. If we have ears to hear and eyes to see what he's really trying to say, they would give us a glimpse into what this kingdom looks like. And the reason that Jesus taught so much about the kingdom of heaven, or he mentioned so often the kingdom of heaven is like, is because the kingdom of heaven was so unlike everything that we were used to. The kingdom of heaven looks so different from everything that we see here on earth. And the kingdom of heaven operates very differently from every kingdom that we've seen established outside of it. And so we need to understand what the kingdom of heaven is actually like. And Jesus came to establish this kingdom. His teachings came to not only tell us what the kingdom of God was like, but to expose all of the things that happen when the effective will of God is absent. He came to expose those things where the kingdom of God is allowed to be absent because someone else's will is overriding the will of heaven. And we have the choice to do that. We have the choice in our own life to choose if we will submit ourselves to the principles and the teaching of the kingdom of heaven or if we will resist We can only resist for so long. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will declare that Jesus is Lord. So at one point or another, whether it's here on this earth or in eternity, you will recognize the Lordship of Jesus. I hope you're doing it now. 
So Jesus came to teach us what the kingdom was like. And we learned that the kingdom is eternal. We learned that the kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom that existed long before the foundations of this earth. It was in full effect in the garden, in Adam and Eve's lives, as they rule and reigned under the direction and the lordship of Jesus and how they walked with him and talked with him and they learned how to do daily life with him. And they were deceived into following what? Their own will. What they wanted. Maybe it was better than what God offered. And so they followed their own will, but Jesus came to set right everything that was wrong and to usher in the fullness of the kingdom of God again here on earth. It is a life of abundance. And Jesus came to model for us exactly what that life looks like when we are fully surrendered and submitted, when we walk as Jesus walked, when we do the things that Jesus did, the kingdom of God comes and is established and advanced in and through our lives. So the kingdom of God is eternal. It will last forever. For those of you who have already surrendered your life to Jesus, you know you are part of his eternal kingdom. You are held securely in that kingdom. No matter what happens to you here on this earth, you are held in his eternal kingdom. And that is a beautiful truth. The kingdom of God is also unshakable. It will not and cannot ever be shaken because it is secure. It is what we were created for as humans to live in and actively be a part of the kingdom of God. It's where our heart finally finds its home in his kingdom. It's where we belong. Every other structure and kingdom is faulty and will eventually fail. But the kingdom of God is unshakable and will hold forever. The kingdom of God will always reign over everything, over every established kingdom, over every person, the kingdom of God will always reign. We also learn through Jesus that the kingdom of God is good. That God is good. His very nature is good. That he is full of peace and love. He doesn't have to muster it up to be those things. Sometimes like we try to do. He is those things. And so his kingdom exudes goodness. It's so good. It's better than you can imagine or ever think. And the kingdom is for you. The kingdom of heaven is for your good. Everything that is stored up there is for your good. We have to understand that. We have to get our head around that. Because sometimes stuff happens to us that makes us think that God isn't good. He is. He's so good. His kingdom is full of love and perfect justice. And he loves us. He loves us. I love what Jess said this morning in our huddle as we were singing that song, we love you. And it's all about you. We're singing, we love you, Jesus. She said, I feel like he's saying, he loves us too. <laughs> he loves you. And he cares about you. And the things that he wants for you are good. They are for your good. And you know, the beautiful thing is, is that 
Even though we see dimly now, or we see veiled now, we see little pieces of it now, we will one day experience the fullness and the majesty of the kingdom of God. But we don't have to wait to heaven to enjoy the abundant life that is offered in the kingdom of God. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven to enjoy the fullness of the kingdom of God. We can actually grasp it and apply it to our lives here and now. If we learn how to walk the kind of life that Jesus modeled and see the kingdom of God demonstrated the way that Jesus did through his life. In heaven, God's will is always done. But the kingdom of God is allowed to be absent in places where our will reigns. That's a powerful statement. We don't often stop and think about the fact that we can block or stop the kingdom of God from moving and advancing because we put our will in place. This is what I want. I don't want to submit to what God wants. I don't want to do it his way. I want what I want. And right there, the gates come down and the kingdom of God stops advancing in our lives. Because the fullness of the kingdom comes whenever we submit and surrender our will to his. So that happens in our own lives. It happens in our hearts. But then we see it play out in our relationships and all of the social and political structures we have in our world today. It's all built on human will. And it will fail. Jesus taught us to pray to submit our will to the Father. The beginning of the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my life as it is in heaven. Let your will be done. Jesus modeled this for us in the garden of Gethsemane when he knew he was on his way to the cross. He knew what was coming before him in those days and hours. And on his knees, in agony, he said, I actually have a will. I have a will that wants something other than this right now. If it was my desire that was going to be fulfilled today, if it was my will that's going to be fulfilled today, I'd rather not do this. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. And because of those words, because of that submission of Jesus to the plans of the Father, the kingdom of God was established through his death and resurrection. That the Spirit of God was able to step in and powerfully raise him to life because he submitted his life to the Father and trusted him with it in the grave. How much do we have to learn from the model that Jesus gave us? Surrendering his will to the will of the Father so that the kingdom of God could be established and advanced. What of the fullness of the kingdom could be established and advanced in our lives if we laid down our will and allowed God to work in us. Jesus also said these words, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here. It has come close. Jesus brought the kingdom close. He made it tangible and accessible to us. He came to reveal what the Father is like. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. You know what he's like. You know what his kingdom is like. 
He came to reveal that to us, to make it real. The kingdom of God is at hand today. That wasn't just in Jesus' time. He came to bring and usher in the kingdom of God. It was established through his life, death, and resurrection, and it is still advancing in the earth today. And we are invited to be an active part of that. So Jesus demonstrated for us what life in the kingdom looks like in two very specific ways. He modeled for us a life of character and charisma. And I'm going to get into what both of these mean. Both, I believe, are equally as powerful demonstrations of the goodness of the kingdom of heaven in a person's life. Character and charisma. How Jesus lived was powerful. How he carried himself, how he interacted with others. It was a totally different life that he came to show us. The gentleness that he showed to people, the peace that he carried in the middle of even the storm. And the disciples were like, what is wrong with you? Why are you asleep? Because I live anchored in a different kingdom. One that isn't shaken by storms that happen on the sea. One where I know my life is secure in the hands of the Father. And so I can walk in peace. He came to model for us a character that was completely different and extremely powerful. It's a way to live with power and purpose. It's a way to leave an impact in our relationships and on the world around us. So how Jesus lived was powerful and the things that he did were powerful. Character and charisma. The demonstration of the Spirit's power released through Jesus' life in healing and miracles and uncanny knowledge of what was going on in people's lives and setting people free, seeing demons flee. That was the fullness of the kingdom of heaven come to bear in power as Jesus spoke and commanded things to happen. So we see in Jesus' life Character, how he lived, and charisma, how he demonstrated the gifts. Now, some of you get uncomfortable with that word charisma. You don't like it because it has this branding of a whole group of people that maybe you think are weird. And that's okay. We all have hangups and background and baggage and stuff that we carry, but charisma actually just means grace gifts. They are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are given to us to demonstrate his power and authority and his kingdom. And so Jesus walked in great character, which takes a lot of strength and a lot of work of the Spirit. And he also walked in a demonstration of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We see both. And we're gonna get into the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a few weeks. I know we keep saying that, I know we keep putting it off. I know you're all very excited to learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I feel like we have to lay this foundation about the kingdom first, how it actually operates. We have to understand what the kingdom of God is like and how it works in our lives if we want to be endowed with the gifts of power. So we will get to the gifts. And you know what? 
I feel like in the church, we get a little dazzled and mesmerized by the gifts. We get a little bit excited about the gifts because they are these moments when all of the fullness of heaven is recognized in an instant. The work that happens in the character of a person is slow and hard and it hurts and it takes a lot of time. We love miracles. We'd rather see the miracle happen. Can't God just take this away? Can't he just make it happen? I know he has the power to, but maybe there's something else he wants to work out in your life. Maybe his plans for good for you contain something that goes a little bit deeper and works a little bit more into your character. So we do believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still active and moving in the church today. They didn't stop at Jesus. We can read the gospels and read all of the things that Jesus did. He commissioned his disciples to continue on exercising the authority of the kingdom of God and demonstrating the power of the kingdom through miracles and healing and raising the dead and setting the captives free. That was the work of the kingdom of God in its fullness expressed in the earth. And that has not stopped. The church of God has been expressing the gifts in different ways for generations since Christ came and, and taught us how to do that and established that pattern for us. And we are invited into that as well today. We are invited to see the kingdom established through miracles and healing and prophecy and speaking in tongues and wisdom and knowledge and discernment that is supernatural. We are invited into that. And these are exciting and they're powerful and we love it. And we've seen them uh, move and work in our lives We've even seen them here in our midst. Recently, we had uh, a story of healing a couple of weeks ago of a woman who had been in a car accident and her knee was miraculously healed in one of our services. And just after that, someone else came up to me and said, I need to tell you, I was healed in that same service too. I couldn't lift my arm. My shoulder had had so many injuries. I could hardly get dressed some days. And she was doing this and saying, look, my arm is healed. I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. That is the powerful work of God, working in areas that no one else could and doing things that we can't even imagine. That's the power of God. But I feel like we get dazzled by the gifts sometimes. And we forget that the most precious work of God is a life transformed. We forget that the greatest miracle is that slow, deep work of the Spirit in someone's life. I look around this room today and I know some of you and I know your stories and I know how God has been at work in your life and I know that you are living, breathing miracles, living, breathing demonstrations of the kingdom of heaven manifested in this world. I look at you and I, I know that God has been at work in your life. I see how he's been at work in your life over years and years. Some of you I've known for decades and I see the deep work of God in you. It's not instantaneous. It's not dazzling or flashy, but man, it's powerful. And it is the most beautiful thing I've seen come in the kingdom of God. 
and the work of the Holy Spirit is this, what I like to call fruit first. First, we need the fruit of the kingdom of God in our life. We need the integrity of character to be able to hold the capacity of the gifting he wants to lay on us. We need to submit and surrender to the work he wants to do in us first so that he can move powerfully through us and that our character won't crack under the pressure. We've seen far too, many, too much of that in our world. Far too much of it. You look at the lives of famous preachers and pastors and leaders who seem to be doing so much for the kingdom of God yet their character could not hold the gifting that God placed on them. They cracked under it and we have stories of immorality. It's such a smear on the church, on the establishment of God's kingdom and what he has called us to be and what he has called us to do. And if we are going to be the church that he has called us to be in what we consider to be these end times before his return, we need to be people who are strong in our character, who can be trusted with gifts. And I have no idea where I am in my notes. <laughs> Give me a sec. This is actually, the character transformation is actually the will of God. So when we're talking about submitting and surrendering to the will of God, it is very clear in scripture that our sanctification, that big King James word, that we are being sanctified is part of the will of God. So 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this, very clear. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. I can't make it any clearer than that. It's God's will. You can't say, I don't know. I don't know if God really wants to work on this in my life. I don't know. Nope. It's God's will that you are sanctified. What does that mean? What does that big King James word sanctified mean? It means that you are set apart, that you are holy, that you live a different kind of life, that you stand out in this world because of your character and the demonstration of the kingdom in your life. And the Bible is clear. It says in Hebrews 10.10 10, that we have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. That is our positional um, place in the heavenly realms. Positionally, we are sanctified. But it's still something that's being worked out in our lives while we're here on earth. Romans 15.16 says we are being sanctified by the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. So yes, positionally, if you've ever, I have, don't have time to get into all of this before, but there's so many things that Christ accomplished for us that we hold positionally in heaven. But we have to take those things and apply them to our life while we're still here on earth. And so yes, my sanctification is secure in heaven, but I have to work those things out in my life while I'm still human and still walking amongst other people here on this earth. And so God is working to sanctify us. And John 17, 16, I just had a few scriptures here on this. Jesus said, they are not of this world, just as I'm not of this world. What was he saying? Is he an alien? No, that's not what he's saying. But he is saying, I know that I come from another place. I know that my life is anchored in the kingdom of heaven in eternity. 
So I'm not of this world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. There's something different about my life. And I'm aiming to live in a way that exhibits the character and nature of the kingdom of heaven, not what is around me. I'm aiming to live in a way that lets the kingdom of God be real in, and seen by other people around me. I'm aiming to carry this kingdom in everything that I say and do. Jesus said, they are not of this world, just like I am not of this world, God, he's praying to the Father, sanctify them by your truth. You have been set apart for a purpose to carry and advance the kingdom of God in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, in every place that God sets you and your foot goes you are called with a purpose to carry and advance the kingdom of God. You are called to do that. God trusts you with that. We talked about that on Good Friday. God trusts you to carry his kingdom. Are we gonna be faithful to allow him to work in the deepest places of our life to make us look more like his kingdom? So we are in this process, this miraculous process of being conformed into the character of Christ. And I dare say the most powerful and miraculous work that God does that through his spirit, that his spirit does in us is the work that he is doing deep inside of our lives, bringing the kingdom to bear in our inner world, making us more like Christ. It's beautiful. It's the ongoing work of the Spirit in the human life. The Spirit of God is the one who woos us to come close, to hear the truth about Jesus. The Spirit is working in our lives long before we ever cross that line of salvation. He is working to pull us, to woo us to the heart of God. And he is there present when we cross that line into salvation. The Bible says that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Spirit alive and at work in them. So it's the Holy Spirit who's doing this work to bring us to Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit who continues to do the work in us, to sanctify us, to look more like him in our daily interactions and daily life. He never stops working. He's convicting us of sin. He's leading us to repentance. He's reminding us of Jesus' teachings. He's helping us to understand it. He's our helper and our advocate. These are all things that the Bible says that the work of the Spirit does. Aside from the miraculous gifts of the Spirit, so much of the work of the Spirit is about renovating and changing the inner life of a human being. The Spirit never stops working in you to conform your character, to work on things, to bring out of you the evidence of God at work, the fruit of His Spirit. He's at work healing your wounds from your past. He's drawing us ever closer to God. And He's helping to transform us bit by bit by exposing the works of darkness, redeeming our past, and making us look more and more like Christ all of the time. And I have learned 
over all these years of my life <laughs> that nothing is more extraordinary or more powerful than a life that is transformed by the power of the Spirit of God. Nothing dazzles me anymore. But I am continually brought to my knees by the power of God at work in someone's life when I sit across from them in a quiet little back room and we pray and the Spirit of God comes and they are set free from something. Or they meet Jesus in his places of love and something is transformed and a truth is made deeply personal and real. Those are the things that break me. Those are the things where I see the power of God revealed more and more and more and more. I am gifted to be able to stand on stages and talk to all of you, but this is one hour of your time and you're only gonna get and walk away with a portion of what I say today. But when I get to sit with someone one-on-one -on -one and see the power of God impact their life personally and I begin to see their life change and I begin to see them walk in here and they're more peaceful and they're more loving and they're more gentle and I'm seeing the power of God at work in their life day after day, year after year, year, slow and methodical and mundane, but I'm seeing the power and the spirit of God come alive in them. And I'm seeing the kingdom of God come to fullness inside of someone's life. I've never seen anything more miraculous or more precious than that. It's beautiful. And it's happening in each and every one of your lives sitting in this room. The spirit of God is always at work wooing us closer to his heart. Your life is a testimony of the faithfulness of God and the power of his work in you. That is the kingdom of God advancing. Every day in little ways in each and every one of our lives. They're little movements. As everything that was formed in us by this world is chipped away, and the character of God is being slowly revealed, slowly revealed in our lives. Those are moments when heaven in all of its power and glory touch earth and the kingdom of God moves and is expanded. When something shifts deep inside someone's heart, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here and near when God is at work in those places. And those things that happen in people's lives, those, those precious things that I get to see happen, although they may be small and although they may happen in quiet spaces and not everybody gets to see it when it happens, you see the fruit of it. You see the evidence of it in someone's life. And that actually continues on for generations. When things are broken, when things shift, it shifts in your family line. And it is actually an impact of the kingdom of God. It's like a lightning strike on the earth. It's how the kingdom of God impacts our lives, our families for generations. It's incredible. Galatians 5, I'm gonna read this. We all know it is the fruit of the spirit. You can follow along with me as it's up on the screen. 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. We also know that as long-suffering or patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking each other, provoking and envying each other. It's important to note that the fruit of the Spirit is not just behavior modification. I don't become more loving because I just try harder to be more loving. I don't become more peaceful because I'm doing some self-help and I'm, I'm you know, trying to be more peaceful in my life. It is a work of the Spirit in the deep and broken places of our life that actually brings out the evidence or the fruit of the Spirit's work. The fruit of the character of the kingdom is not produced by behavior modification or trying harder, but a deep work of the Spirit when my life is fully surrendered, my will fully surrendered to His. Allowing the Spirit to work, exposing the broken places, bringing them up. I might not even know that they're there. You know how often I sit with people and what we see is a surface problem. What we see is I'm struggling with anger. What we see is I'm addicted to something. What we see is a surface problem, which only tells me that there's something much deeper that God wants to heal and do in someone's life, a transformative work deep down underneath. Because as Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. Not by all the miraculous gifts you see in their midst, although those are wonderful, you will know them by their fruit. You won't know them because they're the people who claim to know Jesus. You won't know them even because they're people who teach or preach or perform miracles. This is clearly laid out in the Bible. You will know them because of the content of their character. You will know them because their character reflects the kingdom of heaven. You will know them because they're more loving than everyone else you've ever met. You will know them because they walk in peace no matter what's going on in their life. You will know them because they walk into any situation and they can come with gentleness and kindness for everyone in the room. You will know them because they are patient. You will know them because they're not self-serving, but they lay down their lives for others. That's how you're gonna know my people. Not necessarily because they speak in tongues, not necessarily because they prophesy. You will know them by the content of their character. My true followers, Jesus said, my apprentices, my people, you will know them by the fruit. We're not recognized by the expression of the gifts, but the content of our character. Character that is shocking to people sometimes so different than what we see in this world. And that's how the kingdom of God invades and overthrows the kingdoms of this world. Completely set apart for a purpose, sanctified by the Spirit, so you can carry the kingdom in this world.
It's evident where the Spirit of God has been allowed to work. Or sorry, it's evident where the Spirit of God has not been allowed to work in our lives. And we read those, I left it out today, because I don't even like reading those lists, right? There's one in Romans, there's one in Galatians just before the fruit of the Spirit, and they're awful. They make us cringe, right? They're like, the work of the flesh is envy, jealousy, division, selfishness, anger. And we start to see ourselves on these lists and we're like, oh, 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 quick, quick, quick. Okay, love, joy, peace. Okay, I can settle down again, right? It provokes something in us because we actually see these selfish things inside of ourselves. We don't like it, but it's very evident where the kingdom of God has not yet been established. Very evident. Just as it is very evident where the kingdom of God is established, it's evident where it's not. Let's take anger, for instance. I don't want to pick on anybody, but I know that some of us struggle with this. You know that your anger is not in alignment with the kingdom of God. You know that. But you also know that you can't just try harder to not be angry. It doesn't work. It may work for a while. You may be able to have enough self-control to be able to hold that in for a while. But eventually something is going to trigger you and you're gonna have a response of anger and then you're gonna regret it and you're gonna have shame and then you circle around in this over and over and then I'm gonna try harder and you circle around in this over and over and over and over. What God wants to do is hit the bottom of wherever that anger came into your life. Heal that place so that you can be free. So that the next time something comes up that would have triggered you to go straight to your anger, you can pause for a minute. And instead of reacting the way you used to react, you can respond out of the fruit of the Spirit and respond to that situation in gentleness because of what God has done in your life. That's how the, the Spirit works. We have to allow Him access to the deepest, darkest, most broken places of our life in order that He can bring the healing and the freedom that we need to develop that character in us so we can walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God. I think where I want to sort of land this morning in Galatians 5, When we look at that list of things, selfishness, anger, divisions, jealousy, when we look at those kinds of lists in the Bible, the majority of those things are expressed and realized in relationship with others. They're not, it's not something you're just dealing with on your own. It has an impact in how you interact with other people. It has an impact in your marriage. 
It has an impact in your family, your workplace, your school, your friend group. Everybody knows you have an anger problem. Everybody knows, right? We can't hide these things. They come out in our relationships. When you look at the list of the fruit of the Spirit, there are also things that are expressed in relationships. I can't love unless I have someone else to love and vice versa. I can't walk in gentleness unless I have someone to express that gentleness to. These are expressed and evidenced, not just quietly, this is my own faith, my own little world over here. I don't interact with anybody else. No, we are called to community and we're called to express these things in other people's lives because the kingdom of God advances through relationship. And listen, this is, this is so important. If you don't get anything else today, get this. We are broken in relationship and we are healed in relationship. We are broken in our lives by the things that other people have done to us in the ways we've interacted in relationships where people did not carry the character and nature of the kingdom of heaven. But we are healed in relationship with others who do carry the qualities and the character of the kingdom of heaven. And we begin to express those things in our closest and deepest relationships. The kingdom of God will be advanced in your marriage more than anywhere else in your life. It'll be advanced in your kids more than anywhere else. Those who are closest to you are gonna first and foremost see and recognize and value the impact the Spirit is having in your life. They're the ones who are gonna say, hey, I've been with you for 25 years and you're not as angry as you used to be. I see more peace in your life. I see more gentle. I can see that in you. They're the ones who are gonna call out the goodness. Most times they're the ones that are gonna call out the bad stuff too. But they're gonna call out that good in us. They're gonna say, I see you changing. I see you working. I see how the spirit is at work in you. I see the kingdom advancing and, and multiplying through your life. I see that and it's evident in our relationship. The last thing I wanna say is that this process of character transformation takes complete trust in God. Complete trust that he's good, that he holds you in his eternal kingdom, that he rules and reigns forever, that he has everything you need for life and godliness and he longs to give it to you, that he has every blessing in the heavenly places that he wants to pour out on you. Do you believe that? Do you trust him? That when he asks you to lay something down, when he asks you to surrender your will, when he asks you so that the spirit can move in your life, are you going to be willing and say, yes, I will surrender my will to what he wants, no matter what it is, because I know he loves me and has my best interest at heart. He wants what's good for me. We think we know what's best for ourselves. We think we know the right way. We think we know God knows so much better. And he longs to reveal that to you. He longs to show you the goodness he wants to bring into your life. But are we going to trust him and be willing to submit and surrender to the work he wants to do? I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes. We're going to pray here at the end.
We're just going to ask this question, God, is there any area of my life where my character is in conflict with your kingdom? Just in your own quiet one-on-one with him, is there any area in my life where my character is in conflict with your kingdom? Just allow him to put his finger on something if he wants to. Allow the spirit to speak a word to you. And then whatever you sense just coming up to the surface there, I want you to once again just surrender that thing to Jesus. Bring it to him. Maybe you use your imagination in prayer and you can picture yourself standing in front of Jesus, just handing that thing to him. But bring it to Jesus, submit it, surrender it to him. And then just ask the simple question, Jesus, what is your will in this situation for me right now? What do you want? What do you want to do in my life? So Jesus, as we bring all of these broken pieces of our lives to you, we admit that we are powerless in and of ourselves to change, that we are powerless in and of ourselves to do anything that looks anything like your kingdom, but that we need your spirit's work deep inside of us, doing the deep transformative work of making our character look more and more like yours. Jesus, we yearn for this. We're passionate about it. We want to be the kind of people who carry and advance your kingdom in our relationships because we are yielded and submitted to your spirit's work deep within us. Yes, we are excited about your gifts, but we are more passionate about the work you want to do inside of our lives. So we surrender all of our life to you, our emotional world, our thought life, our heart, our desires, our will. We surrender it all to you right now, Jesus. And we ask that you would continue your work of sanctification in us. Continue by your spirit to point out things to us. We want to be soft to hear you as you lead us in life transformation. In your name we pray. Amen.